Every one of us is the recipient of something from God that we did not deserve. We were so lost, we didn't even know we were lost. We were so bound, we didn't know we were bound. We didn't know freedom was possible. Some of you were so lost in your, in your darkness and your depravity, you didn't even know how to pray or who to pray to. But grace came into your life. Grace showed up in your life. It wasn't anything that that you said because what, what you said wasn't worth hearing. It wasn't anything that you did because you weren't doing anything good. It wasn't anything that you were because you weren't of any value to much people. But there was someone who decided to show grace in your life and grace came out to an encounter with you. God bless you and welcome to In the Word. This is your friend, Pastor Isaac de los Santos, delighted that you could join me today for another message from the Word of God. I pray that this message will be life-giving to your spirit and that the Word of God, which is living and active, will produce faith in your heart. Please stay tuned after the message for a few more announcements. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now, as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a sizable crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and he said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report concerning him went out all over Judea, and all the surrounding district. Now, Psalm 21, first three verses, if you would. Verse 1 of Psalm 21. O Lord, you are my strength. Or in your strength, the king will be glad. In your salvation, how greatly he will rejoice. You have given me my heart's desire, and you have not withheld the request of my lips. For you meet me, with the blessing of good things, and you set a crown of fine gold on my head. I want to use as a simple subject this morning, this morning, an encounter with grace. Would you bow your head with me in prayer? Father, we thank you today for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the word of God, which is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we thank you today that we have the opportunity to come into your house as your uh, people and to hear the word of God. I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of God with power. And I pray that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation. And I pray especially if there's any within the sound of my voice who does not know you as their savior, that this morning salvation would come to their house. We ask that in Jesus name and the church said, amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. I want to share with you from this very well-known account of the life of Jesus. It is the well-known story of a resurrection. I mentioned it to you just a couple of weeks ago on Resurrection Sunday. 
But there are some elements in it that I think the Lord would have us consider this morning. And this, uh, this story is remarkable to me in, uh, in some of the details that it, that it contains. Because uh, unlike most of the miracles that we read about in the Gospels, uh, most of the miracles were preceded by a petition or a request. Uh, sometimes people would come to Jesus and they would ask him to do something on their behalf and he would graciously answer them. There were moments in time when there was a, uh, a need, a great need for a, a, a dire need for an intervention from God and Jesus would answer the petition of the prayer of the people. But this morning we read an account of a story in which there is no prayer. There is no request. The only voice we hear in this text is the voice of Jesus. And this is remarkable to me because in this story we find an incident, a moment, when Jesus acted on behalf of people who did not know who he was, what he could do, and did not know enough to even ask for a miracle. And that is why I call this a grace encounter because grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace is when you and I receive something that we did not deserve. And this morning I stand before you and I stand before people who know that we have all received unmerited favor from God. How many of you have ever received something you did not deserve? Every one of us is the recipient of something from God that we did not deserve. We were so lost, we didn't even know we were lost. We were so bound, we didn't know we were bound. We didn't know freedom was possible. Some of you were so lost in your, in your darkness and your depravity, you didn't even know how to pray or who to pray to. But grace came into your life. Grace showed up in your life. Say amen if that's you this morning. It wasn't anything that, that you said because what, what you said wasn't worth hearing. It wasn't anything that you did because you weren't doing anything good. It wasn't anything that you were because you weren't of any value to much people. But there was someone who decided to show grace in your life. And grace came out to an encounter with you. Here is the story. The Bible tells us of a widow. This widow has had a triple tragedy in her life she is beset by three things this morning number one we see that this widow is a widow she has lost her husband she has lost the source of her provision and in the ancient world when a woman lost her husband she had lost everything he was the sole provider in the home, and so she lost her husband, she lost her provision, and she had a tragedy in her past that made her a widow. Not only was her past marked by tragedy, but so was her present. Her present was now marked by the tragedy of having lost her only son. She had lost her son, and now he who might have been able to provide for her is now gone from her life, and so she has lost the men that she loves, and she has been touched by the tragedy of the past, the tragedy of the present, and now she has lost her hope for the future, and she has now tragedy in her future. It is a triple anxiety that has come into her life. So when we see her, we see her in a funeral procession. The Bible gives us no details as to her name, 
doesn't tell us who the young man was. It doesn't tell us anything much about him except that they were on their way to a burial site. They were on their way to the cemetery to lay to rest the remains of her son and to lay to rest her hope of a decent future. While they were going on that way, they had come to terms perhaps with the situation. They had come to terms with, with the tragedy and now they were just going to make an end of it. But Jesus was walking in their direction. And they were walking in the direction of Jesus. They didn't even know it necessarily, but they were walking in the direction of hope. I want you to know this morning that by coming to church, you took a step in the direction of hope this morning. You may not have known it, but you were walking into an encounter with Jesus. Somebody say amen this morning. God has something for you here this morning. You didn't just come in order to come and warm up a pew. You came because God has an appointment with your life. God has a desire over your life. Let me tell you, friend, if you're in the middle of a tragedy, you had better be walking toward Jesus. I say you better be walking toward Jesus because if you're walking toward Jesus, there's hope in your future. There's light in your future. There's joy in your future. If you're walking towards Jesus, now if you're walking away from him, I don't have anything to tell you this morning. You are in rough shape. If you're walking away from Jesus, you're in a, in a, in a tough spot. But if you're walking toward him, doesn't matter how difficult things may get. Doesn't matter how challenging things may be. Doesn't even matter how powerful the sin is that is destroying your life. If you're walking toward Jesus, there is freedom in your future. And there is hope for somebody this morning because you are walking into an encounter with a God who loves you. And the Bible tells us in this 21st Psalm that the king's heart rejoices in the strength of the Lord. Now you say, Pastor Isaac, that's great, but I'm not a king. Well, I've come to set you straight this morning. The Bible said that you and I are kings and priests before God. When you became a believer, you were adopted into the family of God. You are now a king and a priest before God. You have been given a royal a bloodline. You have been given a place of, of glory and a place of honor because you're a child of the living God. How many of you believe that this morning? I, I, I can see you struggling with that thought for you're struggling with that thought. You're saying, Pastor, I don't really know if I believe that, uh, what you're saying. You know, the Bible says that he purchased us with his own blood, a nation of priests and kings. He bought this for you. He bought this birthright for you with his blood. So the Bible said that the king, say, that's me, Pastor. Uh, that was about ten of you. I need all of you to say that. I said, the king... Oh, that's good. One more time. The king. All right. I want you to know I'm talking about you this morning. I'm not talking about your neighbor. I'm talking about you. Tell your neighbor. He's talking to me right now. That's a good church. You sound good this morning. I'm talking to you. The king. The king will be glad in his strength. You know, when you and I get to thinking about the power of God, we start getting glad, don't we? 
When I start thinking about the strength of God and the power of God, my heart starts to rejoice. When I start thinking about the fact that he created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh, I start thinking my God can do anything. When I start thinking about the fact that Jesus woke, walked out of a grave alive after three days, I think there is nothing too difficult for my God. When I start thinking about the power of God, it rejoices my soul to think that I don't serve a pygmy God made out of wood or straw or silver or gold, but I serve the God of heaven, the maker of the heavens and the earth. Come on, somebody, get glad this morning. I'm talking about your God. He is the almighty God. Oh, Lord, in your strength, the king will be glad. And your salvation, he will greatly rejoice. How many of you are glad you're saved? I've met some sad religious people, but it's hard to find a saved, a sad saved person. Because when you're saved and you know it, when you know that you are bound for hell and you're going to heaven, there's just joy in that. Is there anybody here who's glad they're saved? You know, if I were you... I wouldn't leave church this morning unless I knew that I was saved, that I was saved, washed in the blood, set free by the power of the name of Jesus. In your salvation, how greatly he will rejoice. For you give him the desires of his heart. He's talking about you. God will give you the desires of your heart. Now, uh, in 2005, I went to Africa, and um, I had a rough time in Africa. In fact, most of my trips to Africa have been rough. So that one was rough, and uh, this was 2004, I think, not 2005, 2004, and it was a rough trip. I was sick. My team was sick. We were needing a, uh, a permit to get to the next country, which they didn't give us, and it just caused all kinds of havoc with our flights. And there were a lot of troubles going on for a little uh, 23-year-old preacher boy to have to handle, and I was discouraged, and I was sick, and I was mad, ever been there, and, uh, and I, I got home from ministering after all that, right, I was still ministering, and uh, I got home from ministering one, one afternoon, got to the dormitory, and there was a family waiting there, and I wasn't interested in visits at that moment, they said, Brother Isaac, we were so blessed by your ministry that uh, we brought you a gift, Now, if you guys don't know this, I like tomatoes, and I like to eat tomatoes like apples. And so uh, the last thing in the world I thought that I was going to get in Africa was tomatoes. But they said, Brother Isaac, we have a gift for you. And they gave me a sack of tomatoes that big. And don't you know I sat in my dorm eating tomatoes and crying, right? Because I started to think, God, not only did you know that this is what God was doing. When he gave me that bag of tomatoes, he was saying, Isaac, I know where you are. I know what you're going through. And I even know what you like to eat. I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. Come on, somebody. God will show up in your life. I said, God will show up in your life. And he'll show off, won't he? God will make a Dr. Pepper appear in the desert just to let you know that he is with you. And if God be for you, then who can be against you? He has given me the desires of my heart. Things I didn't even think to pray for. Has God done that for you? And he has not withheld the request 
of my lips. This is what I want you to notice, verse 3. And he meets him with blessing and good things. Who's he talking about? He's talking about me. He said he meets us with blessings and good things. Life's journey may be long and it may be hard sometimes. But he says, I'll come out and meet you. I'll come out and encounter you with my grace. I'll come out and meet you in a place you weren't even expecting to meet me, friend. In the darkest hours of your life, you can expect Jesus to show up. In the most difficult hour of your life, you can expect Jesus to show up. He will meet you with blessing. That's what happens to this widow. She has lost everything, but Jesus is coming out to meet her. Jesus is on the road of encounter. Grace is on the way. Tell somebody, grace is on the way. I don't know what road you're on this week, but grace is on that road. I don't know what street you've taken, but grace is on that street. I don't know what alley you're in, but grace is in the alley. Come on, somebody. I don't know what valley you're in, but grace is in the valley. God's grace will meet you where you are. God will meet you right in that place of need. So you have a, a collision about to occur. This woman has a friend but doesn't even know about him. This morning, you all have a friend. You may not know about him yet. You may have come to church because somebody invited you. You don't even know about God or Jesus, but I want you to know that you have a friend in Jesus. And Jesus is your friend. He'll stick closer to you than a brother. Jesus is the friend that will come out to meet you, and he will bring blessings with him. And this morning, he wants you to know I am your friend. You know what I love about Jesus? Because when people talked about him, they said he is a friend of sinners. And when I hear that, I say, oh, that means he's my friend. Because if he's a friend of sinners, that means he's my friend because I'm a sinner but I have a friend in Jesus come on somebody you have a friend in Jesus he was walking out to meet them they were on their procession to the cemetery the Bible said that when Jesus saw her he felt compassion you know you have a compassionate Savior. He saw her and he felt compassion. He didn't feel any compassion for the boy. But he saw her and he felt compassion for her. He felt love toward her. He felt a, 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 a responsibility to help her. This morning you and I have a compassionate Savior. The Bible said that God so loved the world. I don't know if you know this, but God loves you, friend. He loves you like no love will ever, like no love you'll ever know. The love of God is, is the epitome of love. Every other kind of love draws its source from the love of God. And it is that compassionate Savior who has made it possible for you and I to have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus is the compassionate Savior. Some will preach to you about a mean and un unloving God. That's not the God of the Bible. Some will preach to you about a God who is, uh, who is capricious and, and, and who is judgmental. But that is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is the God 
God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the God that we serve. He loved me when I was unlovable. He loved me when I could not be found. He loved you when you were lost. He loved you when you were a mess. He loved you when you were a wreck. He loved you and he saved you. Come on somebody. I'm talking about the love of Jesus. Oh, how he loved He felt compassion for her. Now, this is all well and good until Jesus starts to speak. Because he says something you're not supposed to say. He tells the woman, stop weeping. Come on, Lord. This is a mama. She'll weep if her son brings her a a bad drawing from second grade. Of course she's going to weep. Her son is dead. Her husband is dead. How can you tell her don't weep? Often we have those same kinds of questions when we hear God saying to us, don't weep. Don't be afraid. I'm in control of this situation. We hear those words and we say, but how, Lord? How could I not weep? When I have lost the things that I wanted. How can I not weep when I didn't get the thing that I prayed for? How can I not weep when I have buried my loved one? How can I not weep when I have lost my financial security friend? When Jesus says don't weep, it's because he is at work in something in your life. He's got, he's got a plan. He has a purpose. It's not just a cliche. It's not just Jesus telling you something that might help you feel better for a moment. No, he is speaking life into your life. He is saying don't worry don't fear don't be ashamed don't dread I am on the scene now and if I am here anything is possible I am going to bring bring deliverance and breakthrough into your life and then he does another thing he touches the coffin and the procession stops now you're not supposed to stop a procession if you see a procession coming down the road you're supposed to pull over and let them go by I was riding in a hearse once, not one of our wonderful funeral homes here in Beeville, but uh, this, these folks were from out of town, and, and as I was uh, driving in the hearse, the, uh, the driver got a phone call, and I heard him on the speaker, and the, the other guy said, hey, if you go under 30, the hearse is going to turn off. If you go under 30 miles an hour, the car's going to shut down. And I thought to myself, Lord, please, don't let me be stuck in a hearse on 59, on the way to the, to the cemetery. This would be a catastrophe. You're not supposed to stop a procession. But Jesus stops the procession. And the words that are used in the, in the translation I read this morning said that they halted. The King James said they were still. And that reminds us of the fact that when God comes on the scene, that he often will say to us, be still. This morning, he's saying to somebody, be still and know that I am God. Oh, you see, we can get restless sometimes and we get anxious about things that we can't control. We start worrying and our mind starts to unfold this this scenario of how terrible things are going to be. And God speaks to your life today and he says, hush, be still. Let me be God. Let me show off in your life. Let me do this thing. You can't fix this. You can't solve this problem. Only God can do it. And if God does it, he'll do it right the first time. Come on, somebody. 
somebody, you've got to let God do his part. Let God be God in your life. He says, be still and know I'm God. I'm wiser than you are. I'm stronger than you are. I know more than you do. I have this under control. It's hard to be still. When the doctor tells you that your child is sick, it's hard to be still. When there is no seeming hope in sight, my friend, when God is on the scene, he brings the peace of his presence. He says to you, calm down, because not one of you this morning, Jesus said it, no one can add a single inch to his stature by worrying. Who among you can add a single day to his life by worrying? You worrying about it, being anxious about it, wringing your hands about it is not going to solve the problem. The problem solver is Jesus. Give it to him. Let him handle it. He will bring you through. He'll do the thing no one can do. He says, be still. And now he does even something more off color. And he starts talking to the dead man. All right, Lord, it's bad enough you told the widow to stop crying, and it's also bad enough you stopped the procession, but now you are speaking to the dead guy. And I'm just going to give you a little doctrine here this morning. The dead can't hear you. I've heard people stand at a graveside and talk to their loved one, and it is a good sentiment. It's a good thing to get it off your chest, but friend, they're separated from this life. They can't hear you. So why is Jesus talking to a dead boy? He begins to speak to the dead man. Because unlike you and I, his voice has power. I told you the only voice we hear in the story is the voice of Jesus. And Jesus begins to speak and he says, young man, I tell you, arise. You see, friend, this voice is like the voice of no other, for it is the voice of the Son of God. This is the voice of Jesus, the eternal Son of the living God. This voice was able to transcend the physical. He's not speaking to the physical ear of the young man, but he is speaking to the spirit. He is speaking past the, past the temporal, past the physical. He is speaking beyond time itself. The voice of Jesus went past the atmosphere. It went past the moon. It went past the sun. It went into that heavenly place that you and I long to be in. It went all the way through to the very eternal presence of God. I don't know what the young man was doing at that moment. I, I imagine the young man was getting registered. You know, he's getting checked in to heaven. I, I hope he was going to heaven. He may not have been. But wherever he was, he was getting checked in, and they were filling out the paperwork, and then he heard that the voice called him. He heard that voice that said, let there be light, and there was light. He heard that voice that brought life out of death. He heard that word that said, I am the bread of life, and he that eats 
midst of me will never die. He heard the voice of the one that said, I am the living water, and he that drinks of me will never thirst again. He heard that voice which said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believes in me, though he dies, shall live. He heard the voice of Jesus. Do you hear the voice of Jesus this morning? Jesus is calling out to you this morning. He's calling out with life. He's calling out with hope for your spirit. And he heard that voice that said, Young man, rise. My friends, I am delighted that you have joined me today for this message from the Word of God. If this message has been a blessing to you, then we would like to hear about it. Please feel free to write Pastor Isaac de los Santos at Post Office Box 126, Kennedy, Texas 78119. You can also find us at IsaacDeLosSantos.com and on Facebook at Pastor Isaac de los Santos. And if you're ever in the South Texas region, I invite you to join me for worship at Kingsway Church in Beeville, Texas where you will be welcome and love as we worship the Lord together. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Until next time, may you walk in the light of divine favor.